uh, welcome to BuildCast. Uh, today we're here talking with Matt Kirsch and Carrie Stroop, who is a, a married couple, uh, good friends of mine that we do a lot of raft trips and other uh, cavorting with. And uh, I decided to uh, speak with Matt and Carrie because they're in the process of building a passive house. And I thought it would be really interesting to get the perspective of uh, the average person out there and how they ultimately became interested in building and looking at Passive House as a standard for the construction that they're going through right now. Uh, so Matt and Carrie, welcome again to BuildCast. And why don't we start out by just uh, having each of you introduce yourself briefly. I'm Carrie Stroop and um, Matt and I have been married over 20 years, and we are building a cabin in Tavernash, Colorado, which is in Grand County. And we decided to build it passive. Uh, hi, I'm Matt Kirsch, um, and I am in fact Gary's husband. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, and just to be clear, uh, neither of you are builders, correct? Right. So uh, Matt, what do you do for a living? I am a federal prosecutor. Okay, and Carrie? I work at a nonprofit that provides social services. Great. And so, with regards to this decision ultimately to um, create a passive house, I wanted to kind of start um, early, early on uh, in that process and really, really early on because I think it would be interesting to go back to. Uh, potentially childhood, uh, growing up, and kind of what was your perception of home and house uh, growing up? Did, did it resonate with you at that period of time, or was it just, you know, someplace to, to live and it really didn't, uh, you really didn't think about it? I, I think the, mm, I wasn't thinking about that kind of stuff in connection with the house a lot when I was a kid. The one thing that maybe uh, played into the passive house decision for me as a kid is that when I was in, I think the beginning of junior high school, my parents remodeled the house that we lived in. We lived in a house that um, was on top of a hill and it faced south and they ended up putting in windows on the entire south wall of the main uh, house. And also actually one of the things they added was a two-story room, which then ended up having two banks of windows on the south wall. And I do remember as a kid being impressed about the fact that we would sometimes open the back door in the middle of winter because the house was getting so hot from the sun coming in, uh, you know, on the on days when it was sunny, and so I think that probably made me more interested in some of the ideas about the passive house and of ours in particular, which does include a um, slab on grade construction with the idea that the slab is going to be a thermal mass, and it influenced then our decision when we were looking at lots. We kept looking for lots that we could build with a south facing view so that we could try to take advantage of that energy. Cool. 
Yeah, just to follow up there, that that house you grew up in um, was was this remodel in the seventies or eighties or eighties? Yeah. Okay, so it's still fairly early on in in terms of the recognition of uh, passive solar uh, using uh, that in the design process and whatnot, because it sounds like uh, the house also didn't include uh, adequate uh, overhangs, probably for shading there, of those windows. The house wasn't, the, the remodel wasn't engineered um, with the idea of taking advantage of the solar heat. I think that primary idea behind all of those windows was that because we lived on the top of a mountain and we looked at a lake for almost 360 degrees, the, almost the primary driver was to maximize the lake view. Yeah. And the, all of that solar energy, I think, was much more of an afterthought than I hope it will be in our place. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. And that's interesting because in, in Denver, where we are, uh, obviously, the that same afterthought is, happens all the time here because uh, everyone's trying to maximize the views to the west, uh, but they're not thinking about that intense heat in the afternoon that's coming from the, the sunning, setting sun, and we end up getting this huge uh, electrical load draw for air conditioning and whatnot. Uh, so it's kind of similar. Interesting. How about you, Carrie? Uh, did house and or home uh, come to mind as in, when you were growing up? I don't think so. My family moved quite a bit as I was growing up, so I didn't live in the same house um, after I was 10 for very long. But when we moved into our house in Denver and started thinking about remodeling it, as I was in college, I became a lot more concerned about environmental issues. And so that became a driving force in our remodel of our current house and kind of propelled us towards figuring out how to do that while we're building our house in Grand County. Great, interesting. Um, so was, do you think that this decision uh, partially came from, from experience in, in the house that you, you were in, Matt, uh, but do you think it also is driven largely from an environmental ethic of some sort, or are there other, other things that might be driving that? that the ultimate decision? For me, it was primarily driven by the environmental ethic. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any question that that's the primary driver. Um, you know, I think our hope is that we'll recover the costs over time, but there's no question that we're spending more in the construction process to be able to try to meet the passive house standards and to um, follow those design principles. Mm -hmm. But we thought that it would be worth it both to reduce the um, environmental impact of the house over the long term and also we're sort of hoping to be a kind of demonstration project. As far as we know, there aren't any others in Grand County and there are not very many that have been built in climate zone seven or uh, or higher. And so we were hoping 
that maybe other people would be inspired to do it if they saw that it could be done in that climate zone or in that area. Okay, well, there, there are a couple of things to unpack there. Um, and uh, But before we get there, I wanna um, jump back uh, to your past a little bit to try to understand um, how how did your environmental ethic do you think got formed? Do you think it's um, something that in essence you were born with or or did it come over time and have you has your point of view changed uh, over time? I think for me, um, one of the things that I always enjoyed as a kid was just being outside and outdoor activities and going camping. Um, we didn't do a lot of it, but um, as I look back, I mean, those are, I think for both of us, our favorite times um, typically involve outdoor activities. And so when I went to college and started learning about environmentalism and um, global warming and um, all those issues that really pushed me to make that kind of a driving force in, in my ethics. So I definitely grew up doing a lot of things outside and loved doing that. We spent a lot of time as a family on the lake that I mentioned before and playing tennis and I, I was, you know, one of the kids who would go camp in the woods across the street from my house. Um, my mom didn't like camping very much, so we didn't really do very much camping as a family, but we did a lot of outdoor stuff. And when I was in college, I did, I kind of used outdoor activities as an escape from a lot of the other students who I wasn't crazy about at my college. Um, so I found a group of people who were interested in doing other outdoor stuff and I would go snowboarding or hiking or backpacking um, almost every weekend that I could. Um, but I don't think I was really an environmentalist in that same, certainly not kind of in the kind of sense that Carrie was until I met her. And then I think I started getting um, influenced by, you know, some of her beliefs and that thought that they all made sense. And um, I think I adopted many of them after I met her. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like uh, there is a commonality about uh, exposure, I guess, to the outdoors that helps uh, create that uh, idea of, of uh, protecting the environment to some extent. Um, okay. So um, your decision um, kind of came out of this environmental ethic and whatnot. And you, when you started thinking about uh, what you're calling a cabin, but I guess that we should ask that question first. Is it really a cabin or is it a house? I would say it's not actually really a cabin anymore. I think it started as that in our minds and we've continued to call it that, but yeah. I think it's a house. It's not yeah. a particularly large house by today's standards, but it's a, it would be a house. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's and ultimately is is it correct that your ultimate goal at some point is to retire there? Yes. So be your full time residence. At least our half time residence. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so I, I guess oh, that's interesting. If it's your half time residence, I, I was wondering if it's your full time residence that that might have been another impetus to uh, go the direction that you went. But maybe not. I think, I mean, I think it possibly, but I, I think it also works the other way. Like in some ways having a second home feels like such an enormous privilege and it is a draw on resources probably more than we may deserve or are entitled to or whatever. And so if we can have it serve a purpose that has some positive impact on the building world or beyond us, then it kind of helps. It's a little bit of an offset to the extravagance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, um, uh, starting the process of building a house, did um, did you know about Passive House when you began your research in building a home? No. Yeah. We did found you... out about it in the process of doing research about this sort of 80s era Passive House kind of construction that sort of led us to the European passive house model and of the, the sort of wider array of practices and considerations that it includes as compared to that original idea about passive houses. Okay. And I um, do think that's kind of like an interesting message for the building community. Like we knew about, um, you know, passive solar energy and wanted to take advantage of that. And we started working with an architect who said they understood that. And it just, it didn't feel like we had an expert that really knew how to make that work. And it was actually pretty challenging for us to get to a point where we felt like we were working with someone who could really make sure we were doing it correctly and it was months and we and just by doing multiple searching around and is how we found emu systems which i'm sure you'll mention but yeah and then it felt like then we learned about the passive house certification and it felt like we had an expert that was really going to make sure we were doing it correctly and not creating more problems than by you know just trying to do a lot of insulation or you know we were going to have all the expertise right. well we finally had someone who was approaching it systematically not just saying oh yeah well we can give you more insulation here and we can have these windows facing south obviously those are nice things and they help but what we really wanted to have was somebody who knew how to do the engineering who could say you're going to get this much heat gain from a window this big and you need and you're going to lose this much heat when the sun's not coming through it and you need to insulate it with this amount in order to offset that and in order to have it remain comfortable at all periods of time and 
that was a hard thing for us to find. And we, uh, I would agree with Carrie, our experience was that we talked to several people who claimed to know more about that than they seemed to. Interesting. Um, and the, um, in this early stage, um, was was the aesthetics of the project or the performance of the project uh, your bigger bigger driver? I think it, we knew we wanted to go with something that was pretty simple, and so I felt like the performance was the primary driver, and that we could adapt the aesthetics to that because we knew we wanted it to be simple. Yeah, I've never felt like those were really in conflict for us. Yeah, which was interesting. I think lucky, but it happens that our tastes coincide with designs that tend to be more efficient. It, and that would be a more modern aesthetic, do you think, or more modern and I think simpler in terms of forms. You know, we don't have a lot of different roof lines and sort of passageways and little rooms with funny shapes and things like that we were interested in a more open open main area and we were also interested in smaller bedrooms and so those things all work nicely with passive house and i assume with some other environmentally friendly building techniques yeah so it really sounds like you're not the mainstream, uh, stereotypical um, uh, home buyer, or home homeowner even. Um, you really uh, went into this process with uh, some sort of maybe ill-defined uh, performance objective, but that got solidified over time. But um, most people, uh, seem not to go into it in that, at least the mainstream buyer isn't going into it that with in mind, it seems like. Yeah, and I, I think it's also just, and maybe more people would if they knew more about it. Like when we did the initial floor plan, it was basically our layout was three rectangles. And after bringing on um, the EMU Systems Consulting, they pushed us towards even simplifying it further in, and it ended up being like two rectangles basic together and centralizing the mechanical system. And I just don't think, I we had no idea like that was anything to even look for or design for. And so um, maybe if more people knew some of those like basic principles, it would be something they would look for in a house. Yeah. Well, I think it's a big debate in the in the building arena, especially with main mainstream builders. Is uh, it's a kind of a chicken and an egg scenario. Uh, is is the clientele or the public out there asking for this, or are we as builders um, pushing it on builder built on buyers in essence? And uh, it it seems to be right now that if for mainstream builders, if the public isn't asking for it, they're not necessarily going to deliver it um, there. 
So it, it, it's still, especially with Passive House, um, the mainstream builders aren't gravitating to, to that mm -hmm. uh, right now anyway. Yeah, I think that seems right to me. Um, it, I, I think the appeal, I don't think, my sense is that the Passive House people haven't been very good at marketing. Right, that they have two potentially good marketing pitches, I think. One is the energy savings, which is only good for people primarily, it's best for people who are gonna be in the house a long time, and that seems to be a dwindling number of people. The other one that seems like it might be better to me is the comfort theory mm -hmm. that you're going to be so comfortable anywhere within this house it's going to be so quiet and it's going to be so warm and the temperature is going to be so uniform um some of those things you can just pay extra to get like you can make a house super warm by just cranking up the heater and chewing through natural gas or electricity or whatever it is that you're using even in an uninsulated house but some of the other things are harder to achieve in a house that's not well constructed. And it seems to me like they're missing the opportunity to focus on that a little bit more when they do their mar their marketing. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And it's interesting that comfort and now uh, indoor air quality are becoming a big means to market, uh, not only Passive House, but other programs, even Energy Star and uh, the Dewey's uh, Zero Energy Ready Home Program, which is another certification program for for housing and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so um, you mentioned uh, EMU systems. Uh, did did you find EMU systems before you started talking to architects, or was it um, after? It was quite a bit after. We had a whole floor plan. And we, Matt and I were still struggling with it, not feeling totally comfortable that it was meeting what we wanted to achieve. We'd, we'd also tried to hire a different um, sort of yeah. uh, environmental kind of engineer who had been suggested by our architect and we were wholly dissatisfied with his work. And so we were, then that's sort of what prompted us to be looking again because he just hadn't delivered at all what we thought we were going to get from him and yeah. so i found the passive house institutes i can't remember exactly website where they kind of had little a map with where people had been certified as passive house builders or educators and who had certification courses, and that's how I found EMU Systems website. Great, great. And do um, I'm guessing that you were talking with your architect um, a little bit about some of these ideas that you you had before uh, knowing that it would culminate in Passive House. Um, how receptive was your architect? He was really receptive to the ideas about it. And, but I think we felt like, again, there was one of the areas where there was a little bit of mismatch between 
the sort of self-described experience and expertise and what we felt like we were seeing when it came down to the actual design. And um, I mean, admittedly, when we very much started the project, we we weren't looking to be certified like in any particular program and told the architect like we want environmental concerns to be a driving force, but like getting an actual certification isn't um, our goal. Mm -hmm. But it just didn't feel like we could find the expertise without getting to the, you know, someone like EMU Systems, whose goal is to get us certified. So um, that's kind of the side benefit of getting connected to his, his expertise. Yeah, yeah. Did the architect that, we'll get to where the point where you kind of have become building science experts to, to some <laughs> extent, at least in comparison to the, the general public out there. Uh, but did you have any notion that the architect you were working with uh, understood uh, building science in relationship to design and and system and the systems that he was recommending at that time? I thought he did have that. I did. I that's not. I didn't think there was a deficiency there. I just thought that um, that knowledge hadn't necessarily been applied to try to maximize. Um, energy efficiency or energy performance. Mm -hmm. It had been a factor that it had been sort of treated as one of multiple factors, but not necessarily, didn't necessarily have experience with doing design to make that the primary factor. What do you think about that, Carrie? Yeah, I think that's true. And yeah. I, they were always very interested and supportive of the direction we wanted to go. It's just not being, they didn't have the expertise within their right. firm and to ult do it. ultimately used some sort of drew the, drew the plans with different, some different assemblies and things like that. So they were willing to take those and incorporate them. And I, I will be curious to see, I'd be curious to know if they end up using them in, in any future designs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, especially with with custom uh homes so much is being is driven by the desires of uh the the buyers you know right. or in, i mean you can call yourself the builder i guess as well <laughs> so much by your your desires and um i'm not sure that um architects and builders uh, probably don't drive the process as much as they should. Um, they let the the person paying paying for it uh, <laughs> drive it, and instead of kind of having a a minimum, maybe passive house is their minimum, and then they go beyond from there. But uh, it seems it seems, you know, who who's who's pulling the cart uh, is is kind of the question. Mm -hmm. And and it ultimately it seems like uh builders and architects allow the um person paying the bill to drive drive it, the equation which again like you're saying if if they don't also incorporate some level of education in that process they're not going to be able to push this to more mainstream building 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you you ultimately found Emu Systems, and what about uh, Emu System Consulting uh, really um, resonated with you to begin a working relationship? Well, they have a pilot program for homeowners to enter into to get a lot of consulting with them and um and luckily we had a builder who was really open to the process and we was willing to do the passive house um, training class that EMU systems did and um and his kind of enthusiasm for that really gave us a lot of confidence in entering the pilot program and um, felt like it was a safety net for us to make sure that everything was gonna come together with his expertise. For me too, as I found out more about it, I thought that at least what I understood to be Emu's basic model, which is to do passive house designs in a way that, um, you know, as one of their um, owners describes it, can be carried out by a guy who runs the business out of the back of his truck. Um, that seemed to me like that it was consistent with the idea once we sort of got the idea of, well, maybe we can be a model for other people, even though what we're building is a custom house, it's being built through techniques that can be replicated by most builders with a little bit of training and the willingness to um, to just adopt the practices. So that was another reason for me that I was interested in going with them. The other thing that I went for me was just kind of what we talked about before, like sort of from the moment that we started talking to them, it was clear that they had another level of understanding and commitment and experience compared to the various other people that we had talked to. And for me, that sort of gave me a feeling of sort of a, ah, oh, finally, you know, this <laughs> This is what we've been trying to get. Now that we have it, let's take it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, just so you know, I, I uh, have already scheduled uh, a conversation with uh, Enrico and Mariana at EMU Systems. So it'll be Great. interesting to follow up with them. And uh, so our audience knows I'm also gonna uh, be trying to follow up with the, the builder and potentially the architect, which I haven't asked you yet for, for the <laughs> architect's name. Uh, to to kind of get this holistic picture of this process that uh, you're you're going through, which, which I think will be really interesting. Um, so when I hear you talk about Emu Systems and and joining this pilot project, um, I wonder if there's it, it so sounds like they were able to overcome any apprehension that you might have had being in essence a guinea pig within a pilot project. So they must have done a good job of explaining the pilot project to you and and what their ultimate goal is with the pilot project, which incorporated, I think, what you're saying, being able to 
disseminate knowledge and and get people out there who can build it out of their the back of their pickup truck. But were there other things in that dialogue that really resonated with you? Well, I think one of the things they talked about was that there are some risks that we didn't really know that much about, like of having so much of a sealed system that it creates other problems within the structure and and then our you know Matt's past experience with his home like overheating and um like all of those like concerns felt like okay now we have somebody who is knows the science runs the models can design to prevent those problems from happening um so it just felt like it was the best way to get all of that advice. Yeah. The pilot project was kind of a no-brainer for me because we were going to get additional consultation. We were going to get some discounts potentially on building materials and or fees. Um, and all of those things that we were going to be getting were things that we wanted anyway and they were going to be consistent with our goal of trying to sort of spread this idea um, yeah. so i it wasn't a very difficult pitch for me to yeah to join the pilot program yeah great um so um I, they uh, ema systems and uh offers a training for builders um and you said that your builder was receptive uh, to the concept of um, of building a passive house. Um, did you find the builder before you found Emu Systems? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what what um, how did you gravitate towards um, Bishop Building is the name of the the company before you knew about Passive House? We had. Um, I had talked on the phone to, we started by trying to get recommendations about builders and then we did some other research about them and then I started calling them on the phone and talking to them about our project. Um, and uh, I think some of the custom home builders, we felt like we probably needed a custom home builder. Some of the custom home builders I definitely had this sense were not as that I talked to were not as interested in a project that I was describing as smaller from the get-go and even we didn't even though we didn't know we were doing it passive house then I think it was clear that it was going to even with the passive house it'll end up being less expensive than many of the projects that they build um, but uh, Zane Bishop, who's the owner of Bishop Built, just sounded really interested in the project from the first conversation. Um, we, Carrie and I, then met with him and talked with him about it more and really liked him and really liked his approach. Um, he's He uh, sort of took over the business from his dad and had some things that seemed reassuring to us like he 
you know, indicated that he's he has had the same sort of set of subcontractors for a number of years that he has used there and seemed like there was some got some reassurances that some of the traditional difficulties of building in the mountains maybe would be mitigated by going with him. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Did he, was there any, um, I'll say it in a cliche way, um, uh, sales pitch or anything that uh, resonates or stuck, stuck with you that he might've said uh, beyond, beyond, I mean, I think the subcontractors is a great, way to differentiate and so that was great that he brought that up but anything with regards to actual uh building performance that he might have said no that he does i, I mean I, I think he's interested in that and it on there's some examples on his website of things that they have done that are more environmentally friendly but i think our project is going to be far more environmentally conscious than others that he's done before great um so when she, once you found passive house um what was his take when you approached him and said we want to build a passive house he was really surprisingly receptive and we asked him like we'll pay for you to do this class but you have to come to Denver and be in town away from his family for a week and study and do all the work and everything and and he was up for it and I think I think one of the things that drew us to him in the first place is that he's just a really open and kind of I don't know down to earth kind of really easy talk to person and really just was like, yeah, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just, he's interested in these ideas too. And I think he sort of viewed this as an opportunity for him to learn some of these things and to see whether or not he could incorporate them in some of his other projects going forward. And um, so I think that combination of his interest and willingness worked really well for us. Would, um, if he had not been receptive to taking the builder training, uh, would you have used him? I don't know. <laughs> we didn't have to make that decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would have been really challenging, a, a hard choice for us. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, was there, did EMU Systems have a uh, homeowner? program as well or education for you guys or um, how how did you come to the level of understanding that you have which seems to me anyway to be way beyond the average uh, couple that's going about building a house well the first thing we did with the emo systems that they had a kind of like preliminary consult consultation so we had like I, I mean we paid him a fee to look at our initial plans and he took that opportunity to really in his analysis of those initial plans to really educate us and you know talk to us about what the pilot program could bring as we're incorporating all of these ideas and so 
it wasn't until after he did that initial, you know, consultation with us that we went ahead and just went to the full pilot program. Mm -hmm. So I think he did a really good job of kind of educating us as he was providing that analysis for us. And then I was really interested in it. And they do offer, before the pandemic, they offered happy hours and, um, you know, you and I saw each other at a tour of a different passive house in Boulder County and, or maybe it was Larimer County, I can't remember. Yeah, it's up in Fort Collins. That he provided the opportunities that we could take advantage of to learn more. Right. Great. Um, and then, so you, you ultimately signed on to the project. Um, did he, did EMU Systems begin a direct dialogue with your architect? At that yes. Point? Okay. Yeah. And, and obviously, the and the builder. So the three became a team. Yes. Um, and everybody seems seemed to be pretty receptive. Now, yeah. did the architect, their, EMU Systems, I don't believe, offers any type of architect-based training. Uh, did the architect also go through the builder training? No. Just uh, uh, followed the lead of, of EMU. Yeah, I think EMU provided them with all of the specifications of what needed to be in the plan. There was some collaboration between them with respect to things like um, determining the size and placement of the windows relative to the overhang and that sort of thing they were there was some i don't know exactly what they did but i know that they were working together on some of that modeling and um you know the architect would do a drawing and then enrico would look at it enrico would make suggestions there would be a revised drawing he would rerun the analysis so that kind of back and forth was happening yeah great great um so the it sounds like the project uh really project team really came together well and then um uh during the process of uh specifying things and whatnot um were there any things that were really stumbling blocks for you that you that depended on you as as the buyers here uh to make a decision on if you're if you're going to buy this or not for your home i think we were worried about how much cost it was going to add to the project and so you know there was some us looking to our builder saying how much is this really gonna bump up our costs and getting feedback from him about that and and how can we streamline the design of the building to save on costs to balance out some of the increases and and then ultimately we decided it was a little more expensive but that it was worth it um from you guys had mentioned to me that from a percentage basis you you might have been a little surprised that at how much more or you know that it wasn't as much as you thought it would be maybe is that resonated what tell me a little bit about that 
Well, I, I think that's based on sort of, we had gotten a very rough estimate from the builder before we started talking about passive house. Um, and I think that the final estimate after we knew what all of the materials and the construction and that sort of thing was going to be was probably uh, 20 to 25% higher, maybe something like that. No, I don't think it was that much. Not just because of the passive house. Maybe not. Yeah, I would. I was thinking more like 10 to 15%. It, do you um, know if that's any, any type of analysis that EMU Systems will be doing at, at the end of the project to get an idea of if you went with more traditional construction versus what actually happened, what, what might be the, the cost difference? I don't know the answer to that, but they've never told us affirmatively that that's something that they would do. The one other stumbling block that I would mention for that question, Robbie, was just the, it wasn't ultimately a stumbling block, but we had to decide whether we were going to buy the really nice windows. Yeah. Um, the really nice windows or the really expensive windows <laughs> were what we needed to really make the system work effectively in that climate zone. Yeah. Even in Denver, you wouldn't need to get those windows in order to be able to get a passive house certification. But up there, there were other ways, there were alternate ways that we could sort of probably have achieved this certification without buying the, you know, some of the most expensive windows. But we decided that we thought it was worth it at the end of the day to spend that money. We thought they would last longer. We thought they would make it more comfortable. Um, and so we decided to do that. But I don't know that it was a stumbling block, but that was definitely a decision that we had to make as the buyers. Are we gonna, you know, are we gonna spend, that was, um, at least 50% more probably to get the, uh, just on terms of the, compared to the cost of the next level of window down. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, windows are, are, are a big kicker um, <laughs> there. And um, so you, um, I think you looked at two possibilities. One was uh, European windows versus um, American built windows. And the other was uh, um, potentially reducing the size of, of the windows as well. Can you talk about those decisions a little bit? Basically, we did end up simplifying and decreasing some of the windows to save on costs. And basically the advice we got was fewer windows that are bigger. So our plans did change to kind of eliminate kind of the complexity of the windows a little bit so that there's just fewer but very large windows. Um, and 
that we relied on Enrico to help us figure out how to achieve the passive solar gains that we wanted and still have take advantage of the beautiful views and um, have a more simple design. And then um, as far as choosing the windows, um, we really either had to do a more complicated heating system through Enrico's or EMA systems program if we were going to do any window built in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think we started with a preference that we wanted windows that were built in the United States because we liked that, you know, we didn't want to sort of have the ca carbon cost of shipping them um, from somewhere else. And we liked the idea again of supporting that industry and that movement within the United States. But like Carrie said, we just, in that climate zone, we couldn't get where we needed to be for the certification with any of the American windows without also having to do other things that seemed like they were gonna sort of at best offset those additional costs just of the initial transportation and probably over time we're going to be worse we're going to we were going to use more energy over time with any other windows yeah and that's interesting the the probably the other um thing that was a big decision point i'm guessing was the mechanical system how are you actually going to heat and cool yeah and so you you ultimately came i believe you're using mini splits uh, no, we were. That's what that's what we thought. But and this was a place where our, I think we benefited from our builder's sort of interest in his two interests. His one interest in satisfying our sort of efficiency goals, and his other interest in not having to spend all this money and end up with a place that we didn't think was as comfortable. We were all, I think, a little worried. That the mini splits weren't going to be super comfortable mostly because we just don't have very much experience with them yeah. and so our builder went out and sort of kept doing research and uh, found this cold weather heat pump company based in canada mm -hmm. that is going to allow us to do radiant heat um, that we all thought would be more comfortable. We had considered putting a radiant system in, or at least laying the pipes as a backup, just in case then we weren't happy with the mini splits. Um, but we were using, I think, an equivalent amount of energy from this cold weather heat pump, and also are likely to be able to use it as our hot water heater as well. Um, and and we think are going to end up with a design that we have more confidence is going to be comfortable that especially because you know we're doing the slab on grade floor and and our floor is just polishing the slab we're not planning to add additional flooring so if that was going to end up being cold it wasn't going to be very comfortable yeah interesting do you happen to know the name of the heat pump company I think it's called Arctic Air, Arctic or Arctic Air. Great. 
Uh, well, I'll follow up with you and we'll maybe put a link to the to that in the show notes um, there. Um, okay, so let's let's uh, uh, move to the actual construction. Where are you at right now with the the construction? They this week have been setting beams and other um, structural pieces. They finished the framing the exterior walls and they've been setting some beams and other uh, structural pieces in preparation to try to close in the top of it as well. Okay, and it's a double framed wall, correct? Right, but, the, but right now they haven't done any of the, they haven't framed the interior part of the wall at all. They're just trying to get it closed in so that it's easier to work through the winter. Great, great. Um, now your foundation must have been uh, substantially different than what they have been used to doing. Um, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? What, what you know uh, was different with the foundation? I'm, I'm guessing the insulation. There are two main things that I know are different, but that yeah. would be an interesting question for you to ask the builder or yeah. Enrico. One of the things that I know is different because we only did it in the house as opposed to the garage. In the garage, the builder did what he usually does, which is um, you know, they, they dug out for the foundation, they built up the foundation walls, and then he did spray foam and then poured the slab. And in the passive part of the house, um, the foundation walls were built and then there were, um, once that all got leveled out, they put in 12 inches worth of basically foam slabs. Um, and then there was another layer put, a vapor barrier put on top of that and then the rebar and then the and then the pipes for the uh, or the piping for the radiant heat and then the foundation the sort of top part of the foundation got poured on top of that and then the other thing that I know is different was the taping that occurred because then after that part of the foundation was poured then there was they installed tape vapor the vapor barrier taping all around the seam of that foundation for the passive part of the house yeah so uh, for a lawyer, you know an awful lot about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're trying to get this continuity of these uh, control layers uh, from the foundation all the way up uh, surrounding the, the building envelope. So uh, it sounds like it started out uh, really well. And yeah, I think, it I think you're totally correct. It will be very interesting to follow up with uh, Zane Bishop and EMU Systems on, on those details there. Um, Wow, so it, it's very exciting. When when do you um, project uh, that construction will be complete? <laughs> so we've we haven't actually asked the builder that question directly. Yeah. Um, we started. We ended up finally getting started at the end of September. The um, the invoices say that it's a ten month project. Um, which would be awesome, but I'm guessing that it's going to be more like a 12 
or 14 month project. Hopefully not 14, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's a 10 month project. Yeah, well, that, that's great. That's great. Um, so I think we're, we're getting ready to, to close out here. Do you have anything that you'd like to add about this experience that you're going through? I guess it's just, I know that they're also retrofitting homes through the EMU systems pilot program mm -hmm. and just encouraging people to educate themselves and um, incorporate those things, even if they don't go the whole passive house certification process to incorporate those things. Um, because I just think it's gonna be even more important as we're trying to move away from fossil fuels and um more sustainable building practices um that it'll accomplish a lot of good to invest in that kind of that knowledge and and encouraging builders to incorporate it yeah yeah but that, i think the only i think what i would add robbie is that i like carrie said earlier we were pretty dismissive of the sort of certification process when we started. And in some ways I still am. Like I we decided to do it because we thought we could we were going to be close to being able to get certified the way we wanted to do it anyway. Um, and then we thought that we probably needed the certification in order to try to accomplish our goal of being able to be more of a demonstration for other people. But for anybody who doesn't care about that as much, I think you could, like Carrie was suggesting, there's a lot of picking and choosing that you could do from some of these, you could adopt some of these practices and still get a lot of benefits and do a lot of good the certification is doesn't have to be the driver for that yeah great great point and there are there are a number of builders um i think that's that's great coming from your perspective i i wonder from a builder's perspective we see a lot of builders say that you know we we build to the standard but we don't certify it but from a, a buyer's perspective how do you know what you're getting if you're not actually getting the certification? Uh, you're right. so intimately involved in the process that um, it might not matter. Uh, and you you have a lot more knowledge than that, that average person um, there. Um, two other quick questions um, that I, I just thought of is one, um, I believe you didn't bring in any gas to your site. Is that correct? It's all right. it's an all electric site. And are you planning on including uh, solar on your site, or is, is you're pre-wired for that? At least? Figuring that out. We're gonna at a minimum be pre-wired. Okay, great, great. Well, those are just quick questions. So ultimately, I, I just really want to thank you for spending some some time with me and doing what um, you know Build Tank's trying to do is to figure out how to take this this type of sustainable high performance building mainstream and how do how do we do that and it takes people like you guys to uh make that effort and make it make it happen and get the word out so uh, kudos to you for 
taking part in, in EMU's pilot project and uh, making an investment that I think you'll, you'll really enjoy uh, long-term here. So thanks so much for, for uh, speaking with me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay. Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Thank you for listening to this episode of BuildCast, brought to you by Build Tank Inc. To see show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes, visit the BuildCast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you, for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of BuildCast. You can listen to BuildCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review BuildCast, which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.